Game begin. I'm a highly experienced podcaster. Would you record that? That's funny. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> That's tough. Because that's funny. we need the audience to know that that's funny. It's funny. You're just okay. Welcome to the Spike Calling Podcast. I'm Lei Huang. I am here with Michael J. Flores' best friend, David Tao, and David Tao's very good friend, Michael J. Flores. <laughs> I like the severance reference. It's It might be the other way around, but it's still appropriate. So I'm I mean, friends with you both. I'm yeah. probably just in the very good range. Yeah, I don't know, man. I literally I literally moved to be within walking distance of David's house. So I, think, I think like the gravity is pulling a particular direction. Although he does host all the secret meetups. Yep. So that's that's good for me. This is also just a, I think this is a nice neighborhood, actually. There's like a nice stretch of stuff between us. I mean, the first time I came over to hang out for a meetup, which was like last year, I think like it didn't register. Like I came over once to like come, just come to a housewarming or party you had. But yeah just didn't register for me but then the first time I came for like a meetup was like during the day so like I was walking around and I saw the foliage and the brownstones and I literally had the thought in my head I'm like well I could totally live in this neighborhood right and then now I I live adjacent to this neighborhood <laughs> in the neighborhood you live you live in a in a very convenient neighborhood for public transportation I do and you're like a five minute walk from being in the thick of it like urban sprawl and a five minute walk from being in like chill brownstone I mean Brooklyn. I'll be honest with you. I went to a bunch of Nets games last year. I live like very close. Oh, you're like a four minute walk from Nets from the bars. Yeah, yeah, right. So if you're, let's say you're an NBA freak, I live in a good spot for if you're an NBA freak. Yeah, you picked a you picked a good spot to settle for. Yeah. You. So, um, and uh, and I ran a fart like this morning. I never run a fart like before. Really I fun. I have never felt better. I got out of this, and I was just like, I think I'm gonna fart like runner now. I think I'm gonna switch to like three fart licks a week. I fart a lot when I run. It's Mike, can you explain to the audience? I feel like I do a lot of fitness podcasts, so I guess we're going down that yeah, so, a little bit. So um uh the preamble to this is I need to get faster in like the next two days. I have a race coming up on the fourth. And I ran a race like six days ago. It was the worst race of my life. It's terrible. But Pog is running the race with me on the fourth. And like in our in our whatever, what do you call it? Group chat. Our group chat, like one of the running gags is Pog just keeps skipping races, even though he advertised himself as he was going to run races with me this summer, right? So he skipped every race until this, this the fourth. So I'm like, I need to get faster because I ran a terrible race. So I've just been researching different workouts to get faster. And I researched this fartlek thing, right? So a fartlek is you run like it two easy miles. Then you like kill it for, I don't know, 20 minutes or something like intervals, like on and off. Then you run two easy miles again, mm. right? So for me, I ran about under understand me 63 minutes or something today but like i ran two easy miles i was just like a breeze i killed it that was a breeze and i ran two easy and i got out of the shower and i was like i have never felt this good i don't know the last time i felt this good and my body is not fatigued it's weird anyway i uh, i was feeling good about that second of all which as you said i didn't tell you the chicharron story i definitely told lanny the chicharron story it's part of our plan today you are welcome to come i don't know if you're interested um so, because I'm highly susceptible to Instagram advertising, I saw there's this barbecue in Dumbo called Bark Barbecue, and this food influencer was like, this is the best barbecue in New York, and they were showing all the stuff they got, and they got these like giant chicharrones that were like, I don't know, like the size of a T-bone steak, right? 
I'm like, I'm going to get that, right? So I left work early for me. So I got there at like, I don't know, seven or something, seven, yeah, 645 and they close at eight. I get there and I'm like, just around. And they're like, we sell out of that. Well, what time do you sell out by? Like, well, six most days, but 430 today. Here's the question, David Town. You've gone out of your way. This is going to be like an hour trip minimal, like there and back again to your house. They've sold out of the chicharron. Do you just buy some? It's probably good brisket. You don't know yet. Do you buy some good brisket or you just leave? What do you do? I mean, I, I buy some good brisket. Also, there's no way a Dumbo is an hour from your house. No, no. All all in, right? Like train, Sorry, go there. I'm being pedantic here. I don't know what I'm saying. Like train, train, like, consume. I'm back. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Scrolling. Okay. okay. Maybe, that was maybe really pedantic. Yeah. I'd probably just try it. I mean- you're a brisket fan, and, I you, am. and you have, you're someone I know, you pride yourself on having a good mental map of where to get, like, good food in the city. I, I do feel that way about myself. Right, so that would that would give you another data point, right? And you could, if you like it, great. If you don't, you know not good there. It was, it was fine. I, I ate the brisket. It's hard to get good barbecue in New York. So this like, is supposed to be the best barbecue, according to an Instagram influencer. Yeah, well, but you're, high, you're highly susceptible to that yeah. influence. I mean, half of our conversation was I bought this chicken by accident because of the, do we have to bleep that is this I, I will yeah. okay yeah thanks uh, for giving me more work the, the good yeah. news is i always have we always have fridge space in the yeah. household because we have two of them so i guess we should talk about magic no we should we should start i i want um david to introduce himself to our listeners i think that david you have been instrumental in sort of growing and nourishing the pre-modern community here in new york and i just feel like nobody knows who you're you're kind of the the man behind the throne uh when it comes to uh sort of developing um you know our, our you're giving us a place to test and and helping us uh become sharp and i feel like i don't even know like i don't really even know sort of your magic background how you got into pre-modern so you know give, give it to us from the beginning uh, thank you, Annie. Uh, I, I will say I was guesting on a, a business podcast, business fit, fitness business podcast a few weeks ago, and someone asked me, oh, how have I never heard of you before? And my response was, I'm just not that sweet. Uh, and they were like, they were like, well, why don't you have a lot of like social media followers? Like, like you, you've purposely kept silence and silent. And the answer is no, I'm just like not that cool. And uh, that's certainly that's, that's certainly one way to like stay off the radar. Weird combination of lies. <laughs> I mean, self perception. Exactly. I, I would never lie in the way that you just did. <laughs> and you're really good at lying. I am really good at lying, and I would never lie in the way that you just did. I mean, I think probably the better example is just like you were too busy killing it, actually building these businesses to waste your charisma points on somebody's non-value generating activities. I would like that. I would like at some point, not on this podcast, maybe off the air for Mike Flores to do like a, like a paladin assessment of, of me. That'd be, that'd be fun. It'd be like, it'd be like a, having your horoscope read, but I'd get a lot more value out of it. So I'm always ask you straight up, like, what do you think your wisdom's out of, out of a hundred? No, out of 18. Out of 18. See, I clearly don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. I need to like reset. I need to recalibrate. I'm going to answer Lanny's. That's a great question. I need to do more research. I'm going to answer Lanny's question. That's okay. I mean, you're probably strength strength 18, right? So that's uh, I'm stronger than the average person. I'm not as strong as I, I have. I am also stronger than the average person, but that doesn't make you strength 18. Yeah. Right. So, uh, like, what's what's like a one percent of the population bench bench press? So I think actually a bench press is probably not a good representation because uh, it it skews male. Okay. I think like a lower body movement or like a pull in movement. Like I think a dead. I'm biased, but like I think a deadlift. 
is like a really good. And do you have a monster deadlift? I have a, a yes. Okay, so you have a monster deadlift. I, I would guess your strength eighteen. Like so, like I I just did like you know just triangulating like whatever Lance Armstrong's blog and stuff. And mm. I put myself like on like strength somewhere between like strength thirteen and fifteen. Mm. Like and people are like well, that's that's pretty that's pretty generous. And I'm like I don't think you have any idea how not strong the average person is, right? Like. The average American male can't bench press their own body weight, for mm-hmm. right? Like, like if, so. If that's like somewhere between eight and twelve, if you can bench press your own body weight, you're already above the eight to twelve. That makes sense, right? That's so, what I'm gonna ask you back to Lanny's question okay. because Lanny's giving me <laughs> you both of that. No, I I do appreciate it. it's good context. Uh, okay, hi, my name is David Thomas Tao. I use my middle name because there are a lot of David Taos out there. And I have trouble keeping them straight. I'm originally from Kentucky, where I was born and raised. Um, and I started playing Magic around like Mercadian masks uh, slash invasion very casually uh, as a kid in Kentucky. And then got pretty deep into it. Was not a terribly good Magic player, but you know would go to every PTQ. I could uh, attend. My favorite format back in the day was Extended, which is relevant. Um, I read a lot of, uh, Michael J. Flores articles. In fact, I read all of them. Uh, like, so were you a, a dojo magic, the or star city games, Michael J. Flores reader? I would, there were also brain burst. Yeah. And player. I, I started make every, every day. My, my stack was, I started, that. my, my stack was started main site. Then did the star city games, then did brain burst, then did the dojo. I, my favorite was actually Brain Burst, but like, they just didn't produce produce enough content. That was 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 the with the issue. You knew that site was going to exit for close to three hundred million dollars. Well, it didn't. <laughs> it, it became something different before it it, it evolved a little bit. Uh, and then I was a really. I actually got really. So I extended was my favorite uh, format. Never really did anything. I like played a bunch of like JS that Junior Super Series stuff. Never really had any accomplishments. Um, and then got really into back then, uh, type one and type 1.5. So like when they split those off and like actually developed type one is vintage. Yeah. 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 1.5 is legacy. So I remember when they actually named those, um, so I was playing those multiple times a week. There's a really good community in Kentucky. Um, and then also in Tennessee where I went to boarding school, I stopped cold Turkey, uh, playing magic when I went to college. Fortunately, I didn't sell my collection. I just put it all in like a trunk at my mom's house and, they didn't play magic for about uh, about ten years, actually, two thousand seven to like two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. Yeah, that's when I that's when I started playing magic again, like early twenty seventeen, early mid twenty. I I met you uh, shortly after I started playing magic again. I think it was seventeen. That was probably yeah. We said we're literally have the exact same story. Like you're from Kentucky. Like, yeah, no, yeah, but you're but down, but you're just taller than me. No, so the timing of the break. Yeah, you're more Syrian, but that's <laughs> the same. That's very true. Um, and both of you have more hair than I do. That's also that's also true. Yeah. Um, but no, we both took um, about ten year breaks in magic, and we both um, met our childhood hero Michael J. Flores at a local um, same store, and then we both lost. Actually, we met at the same table. Also, I played David at the same table that I met you at the same physical table. That's actually incredible. For for important context here. For important context, when it comes to the role Michael J. Flores played in my life, um, 
being a kid from the South and not having, not having really left the South, um, that much when I was a kid, um, reading Mike's articles was very impactful for me as an aspiring elite magic player, but were perhaps, they were perhaps more impactful when it came to my perception of New York city. And I remember reading these articles and like the strategy was cool. The deck lists were fine, whatever. But Mike would often write about going out to dinner after playing magic, whether it's a testing session or pro tour, winning the New York state championships, whatever. And it just blew my mind. Like I'd never heard of a Brazilian steakhouse and the article you wrote about that, like visions of waiters bringing meat by on swords and cutting it off like on the table. And I can, I can eat a lot. I've always been able to eat a lot. And that just blew my mind, like the camaraderie you had with these people. And it gave me this beautiful vision of New York and was truly impactful for me eventually moving to New York. And then when I was looking at colleges, the first time I came to New York was in 2006. I was looking at Columbia. Did not end up applying to Columbia. Just want to be clear here. Did not end up going there. But convinced my mom to let me go to neutral ground for a day. Met you, I think, very briefly. Uh, actually talked to BDM for a little bit. Legend that was nice to you, which is so hard for me to believe. That's how I remember it, but the brain is weird. <laughs> I mean, like, look at how we had each other. I like Pog, and I'm a bully to him. You know, like, it's wrong. But I know that was, that's the familiarity breeds contempt. Oh, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I was so mean at the tables to anyone who I... <laughs> We any angle. We I, I would take it. I oh, play any magic when I can't. Oh, I just went to the store. I thought I mean, he must have. I didn't, even okay. have, I didn't even have money to like buy things. Why was you trying this to, to soak in the environment? Oh, okay. that I just like clear. And it's just like, yeah, that you got me. <laughs> and so Mike basically, and basically since I started reading Mike's articles and the parts about New York City, I realized I wanted to live in New York at some point in my life. It was just like ingrained in me from that point forward. You're saying that like reading a platform article from like 2001 or whatever made you become a New York media magnate? Probably circa 2003 or four, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know about the last part, but. CRF, <laughs> you, you weren't. It was New York medium. One of the, one of the dominoes. Uh, it was it's certainly, yeah, it's a butterfly. The butterfly yeah. flapped its wings. Yeah. And, and then uh, took like a 10 year break. Uh, ended up moving to New York right after college. Basically, basically like slept on a buddy's, effectively like crashed on a buddy's couch for my first few months after college. And same, that's what I did. Ended up getting into the media space um, and had some some success in that space uh some small success some, some success <laughs> uh started some companies fail, failed at starting some companies and then some didn't fail and that worked out pretty well for most of the people involved including me um and for those who don't know i i co-founded and like it was originally my idea that world's largest like strength training weightlifting strength media company um which exited uh in earlier in 2023 i'm actually still there i'm still with barbend um but it was a a pretty pretty wonderful storybook media exit uh that i'm, I'm very grateful for and i've also sold some other been involved in some other media acquisitions as that over the past few years david is the forbes 30 under 30 i i was there on the day that he was no longer qualified to be in the forbes 30 you were there my 30th birthday that's, <laughs> that's correct just to be clear i yeah that's that's how that works um and uh so yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I, I wish I had been friends with David one year earlier because maybe then I could have gotten some of that bar bend exit money, but oh well. Alas. Um yeah, we did raise a friends and family round, actually. <laughs> that was and they did they they were very happy. Um so I'm very grateful for that. And then in addition, I've been a uh professional voice actor. Uh I also work in the spirit space, so I'm on some uh, national tasting panels. I do a lot of whiskey reviews, spirits reviews, writing, uh, investing, and consulting. Um, I have been a competitive weightlifter, not a very good one. I currently train and compete in kettlebell sport, um, and I have way too many hobbies, but uh, getting back into magic in early 2017 was a fun one. Got back in playing standard. Uh, and then immediately kind of fell into legacy and vintage again. Um, met Mike on that journey. Play standard. Play standard. It, yeah. It's actually an amazing, I think, set of circumstances because you just quit playing standard like after you didn't win that effing. I think then, I think when we played, I think that was like the match I lost to you when we met. Yeah. Like officially met was probably like my fifth to last match of standard ever. Yeah, so like I'm glad we met because then you know I might have missed. It. We would have never. You might. You wouldn't have met until once again later. No, sir. Maybe we wouldn't. Right. Primo. Yes. Yeah, right. Like it's yeah. so I. It's not like I pay. Okay, fine. Now I pay attention to the Discord, right? But it's not like I. Yeah, was paying attention to the Discord. Well, David's not. He's in on the Discord. So. How come he did get to not be on the Discord? I have to be on the stupid Discord. No, David. I mean, he pokes. It. Yeah, at least checks. Yeah, I check the. I check the Discord. He, he makes sure when he makes sure to show up to meetups if he can make it. Yeah, I check the Discord. You know, but but my point is, we both played standard against Michael J. Yep. We both uh, care in tournaments that I won. Yeah, in tournaments that you won, one in F and M, the other PTQ. We both uh, gave up on standard uh, quite quickly. I at that standard tournament that we played, I borrowed my entire seventy five. Um, from somebody like from a Facebook group that I, you know, had played a few rounds with anyways. And then my, my point is, um, when, what was the, what was the flourishing of the Tao Flores friendship? Like, was it right after this match or was it kind of a slow burn? Cause Mike and I had a slow burn. It, it was almost immediately. Yeah. After. I feel like I was very quick. As soon as like I met David, like the next week he gave me barbin socks and I was just like, I don't know, I just really like this guy and I just wanted to be friends with him. What? And I was just, you wanted barbend stocks. <laughs> I, first of all, I didn't really know what barbend was. The right? socks are collector's items now, by, so like, by the way. David will tell you, he's like, I don't know, for the first two years of our friendship, I just had the same stupid story. I was just like, I, I need to take off like five pounds. Right? He's just like, you had to take off this five pounds for the last two years. There's a five pound. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so and I'm like, I, I just did a, I just did a Dan John 10,000 cowbell month and all I yeah. did was put on 20 pounds of stuff. Your fart licks. Yeah. And my favorite thing that's ever, just, just as an aside, Dan John is a fitness trainer who has, is really quite famous and has done a lot of really cool things. And he has this thing called the 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge, which I've done three times, which Mike has done three times. I've done, done, I've done it. I've done a version of it once. Um, and one time Mike caught up with me, he was just like texting me and you called me in the middle of the day. He's like, oh, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I just finished recording a podcast with Dan John. Yeah. And you were so mad. You're like, I hate you so much. But I would never really. No, you no, no, no. You were actually mad. It was just one of those things where it was like extremely relevant to your interest. It was interest. cool. It was, Dan's a great guy. Um, but I, what else? So Mike, I think where Mike and I solidified our friendship was something Mike did, which was really like maybe the sweetest thing anyone's ever done for me 
where he kind of heard the story about, I told him the story about how I heard about like him going out with friends to a Brazilian steakhouse after a magic tournament and how that like was so impactful in getting me to want to live in New York. And then Mike, probably only like two or three months into our friendship, took me to that steakhouse. You brought out your childhood dream country. And this is like, this is like make a wish foundation for for David, right? Where he is, David, I think it's like on, he's not, he doesn't have cancer, but if he did, he'd be like, you know, I always wanted to go to Fogo de Chão with Michael Flores. Mike, plot of armor, not Fogo de Chão. Sorry, just to declare him, Mike. And Mike, Mike is just like, well, he like shows up, you know, he's like, a kit, a sport balloons. Yeah, with a couple of magic decks, and he's just like, how about we get some ribbon quitting mistake? This is the opposite of John Cena doing make a wish. He's very nice, and Mike would show up and be like, let's battle. Let's do <laughs> All right. He's like, winner pit. I, or loser pit. I'm a big fan of any Mike Flores love, as you know. However, I feel like a little uncomfortable. Like, you always talk about stuff like this. Like, you and David are just my friends. Like, it's not like, yeah, we're not like, yeah, yeah. Like, this, like, the gravity of this is like, <laughs> it seems like really one directional. I don't really feel anything, well, you know? Like, I just want to clarify, like, I think it's very cool. For me, it's a cool story. It it really was a, a a neat like full circle like going to that steakhouse with you was a really neat full circle for part of my life. But what is more impactful to me is that we are legitimately friends. There's a difference between like meeting your hero and like, oh, it's so cool. Like I can't, I can't believe I met this person I've always wanted to. But what's better for me is like your part of my brain trust, and I hope I'm part of yours. And I call you when I have like important life decisions and when I'm thinking through tough situations, like. You're there to support me. Yeah, I might know you when I invent a new SEO strategy that you inform me someone else has invented like three years ago. That does happen. Like uh, I text me whenever he has weird chicharron stories or extra chicken in his freezer. And that's that's the best part. Like, yeah. right? Like it, but, yeah, they say never meet your heroes, but you know, we we're one to one of life. Don't don't, <laughs> don't meet your heroes because they'll show up at your doorstep saying, Hey, do you have freezer space? And have this extra chicken I need to store. We are going to consume as you go. Here's the thing. The chicken is fine. I'm just never, I just can't cook chicken. I don't want to cook, chick, cook chicken. Lanny's going to barbecue the chicken. I mean, I'm extremely excited about that, by the way. Right? Yeah. So, like, I just literally don't know how to take a frozen bag of chicken and cook it. That's not a thing I know. I would consult the influencers, right? Yeah. I would, I would. I own one pan. Let's, let's. An, an air fryer. Oh, yeah. I do, I do want to move. The conversation for a little, because Lanny's question about, like, this is the Magic the Gathering podcast, ostensibly. But this uh, is a Magic the Gathering. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's, yeah. this is a free modern podcast. Um, but what, so I got to, like, cut quickly through, um, played a lot of, got really into legacy and vintage. I'm one of those folks who goes to Eternal Weekend every year. It's a big highlight of my year, playing vintage and legacy. Um, very good friends with Roland Chang, who's another kind of childhood hero who I met and became very close friends with in New York. And he um, got me further into that eternal community. And as far as pre-modern, it was something that I first saw played in between rounds at vintage tournaments. This is magic as Garfield intended. Magic as Garfield intended. And I was like, people are playing. I've ever seen a trade wind rider on the table. And I was like, I forgot that card existed, right? And you were in love. But then I was, well, I don't know if I was in love because early in pre-modern, this is like 2018, 2019. Pre-modern was very clunky. Yeah. Decks were not streamlined. Strategies were not streamlined. I remember the first pre-modern game I watched, like nothing happened for turns because people just got stumped on mana because the mana bases were even, were really, really bad. Like they were really, really, really bad. And, but I thought it was cool. 
I thought it was neat that like you could play goblins and you could play Patriarch's bidding and you could basically port all of these old decks from like Odyssey and Onslaught Block. Yeah, classic stuff. And I, but I never play like I played a few games with someone else's deck, but I never got into it because I was like, oh, this is kind of clunky little kid magic, which is incorrect. But the format was in a very different place then. I want to clarify. And how I got into it officially was during the pandemic when people go to webcam magic. Uh, Phil Wynn, who's a, a very good friend and I think really the bedrock of the pre-modern community in New York, in New York and, and maybe, you know, in a broader sense, I think I just can't talk up Phil enough for what he's done and how good of a person he is. I, I would also agree with you. And I get yelled at for calling Phil the godfather of pre-modern. Who yelled at you? Well, let's, okay. It's, okay. We were at our credit. I'm not going to put a label on it, but like Phil, Phil has done a lot for the pre-modern community is a really good. He's, he's our godfather for sure. He's our godfather. I think there's a three-way time between Phil and Jess and, uh, well, two-way time. <laughs> yeah. And like Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Matt. Well, okay. It was not making, to get out of the New York specific bubble, Phil really talked a lot about pre-modern and, and Kaplan. And Dave Kaplan. Yeah, for sure. And I remember, uh, and my buddy Jeremy Siegel, uh, who's, who's uh, also someone I think that most of us most of us know. Uh, you know Jeremy, right, Mike? I don't think I do. You know, I kind of introduced you, to Jeremy. He's been over here a couple times. Um, he he was getting into it. Uh, he got he's now getting back into it. He took a little break, but early in the pandemic, I was like, well, let me see what pre modern decks I can put together, and maybe I'll play in some of these webcam events, and. I got super, super, super into it for basically all of 2020. I wanted, I played in like all the monthlies. I had like top 16, a few of them and realized that this is a format that I, I really enjoyed. I mean, the bummer was we were playing in person. I missed that aspect. So I kind of got a little burnt down of playing a webcam, but a lot of around this time I started, I, I remember like kind of pestering Mike like, Hey, uh, you know, like I, I'm, I'm playing this format pre-modern. Have you heard of it? I think you might really like it. The format was really evolving in a cool way. Like people were actually trying to optimize and streamline strategies. I think people were worried that it was going to become a solved format early on. It hasn't happened yet. It proved that it, it d didn't happen then. It still hasn't happened. Um, and this community started growing. I mean, you see the, the entries into the monthly webcam tournaments went from like 20 to like 120 to 200. Like, yeah, within like, within like three months early in the pandemic. And I also love that I could take all my old cards that I used to play with, like in the old extended, like literally the exact copies and sleeve them up and like, you know, you should take like the 500 extended cards you own and then just choose the 20 that are playable in pre-mod yeah. and then add, add X band cards. And it was, <laughs> it was really cool. Um, like my mismatched birds of paradise that I had when I was a kid. I was like, oh, I could play those. And, but then when did you start doing Cowhouse secret meetups? That started... In the not so secret secret meetup started. Um, so then I, I stopped playing for like 2021. I basically didn't play at all. And then I think it was early 2022. I started playing Magic again. And I think it was early 2022. We started the. I started hosting stuff. And that's so. Oh, wait. I want what I'm trying to Timeline wise. Yeah. 2020. I called David. Like it's March of 2020. And they closed my gym. I'm like David's the most fitness fitness person I know, and I'm like they close my gym, and like 45 minutes before it's supposed to get delivered, they canceled my kettlebell order. So I was just gonna, I was just gonna kettlebell at home because they closed my gym, right? So I'm looking, and fitness equipment's at a hyper premium because everything's closing. So I, so he he looks and he goes, 
why don't you go to a hardware store and get a sledgehammer? And I'm like, the sledgehammer thing? So I live in an apartment building in New York City. He's like, no, 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 no. Get a sledgehammer and do mace workouts. And I'm like, what's that? And it turned out at the time, no one knew what a mace was. So I should just buy maces, right? And so I owned a mace like a week later. And then a month later, I owned three maces. And now I swing mace. So what t- tie that in for me, please. <laughs> that's just the thing that I'm just saying okay. the timeline as he was talking about like, yeah. this is what I did in 2020 yeah. pandemic. So, so while he was playing webcam, I was okay. swinging mace. I want to know. I want to know because Mike, when you were prepping for lobster con, you prepped basically with pog and Eti and really just pog. So how come the connection wasn't made with you and David? Like how come you guys weren't? No, 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 no. I did. We, we were. Yeah. In early 2022, Mike. I remember Mike had finally gotten into free modern and fell in love fast. It was, it was very quick and spicy courtship. And he told me about this event, Lobster Kong, which I had kind of heard of through the old school community. I don't play old school, but I know a lot of folks in it and just through the vintage community. And Mike had said, oh, there's this thing, Lobster Kong thing. It'd be really fun. You should come. And it turned out I wasn't able to go because I had another event planned for like exactly that day. But I remember telling Mike, like, well... I'm starting to play Magic again after a year break. Free Modern seems like it's in a good place. It seems like you really enjoy it. Let's start testing. So I think that was kind of the impetus for yeah. me starting to host tournament. But here. I can tell you directly, I thought I was going to play Astral Slot. Like the, right. Yeah. And so there were at least two sessions that mattered. One of them was David actually had a replenish deck at one of the one of the sessions. And I don't think he won or like, and it was, wasn't even where it was. But you were experimenting with cards like a dance, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So around stuff. So like, I just saw somebody play. And I'm like, oh, this. He didn't win, so it wasn't like super impressive. But yeah. I'm like, oh, there's. You, you still didn't know the rules. Yeah. So like, but there was something there, yeah. right? So then the other thing was Jeff Ferris annihilated, right? So like, I went through a come to Jesus. You got me got Armageddon. Well, I got Armageddon. I got Cataclysm. I'm like, and I'm just making a list of all the different cards I can't beat, right? Yeah. And if I if I hadn't gone, I'm there's no way I would have finished third at the at LobsterCon if not for Tile House sessions, right? I had been exposed to a punch, and then like the night before, I'm like texting David every five seconds because I don't understand how the combos work. Yeah, right. Like, um, and uh, and he had shown me a balance, and I got destroyed by Jeff Ferris, who was going to win Misty. Well, what's just going on right now? Uh, so if I hadn't gotten destroyed by Jeff Ferris, I'm sure I would have played Astral Slam. Yeah. One one thing I also want to say, two other things about your astral flight journey. Um, one, we I played you with this weird like zombie infestation. Oh my god! Nothing to prove. So I got a list. I forget. You wouldn't play the tenth game. I I forgot who I, I forgot who it was online, but we we were like I got some lists online. It had like zombie infestation and brains, but it also had dreadnought and this like buried alive sutured ghoul plan. It was it's just also a twelve. Yeah, it was just right. it was all these all these combos that intersected. Actually, I should sleep that deck up again. It was a lot of fun. And you played, we played against it, and I just it was like Astral Slide couldn't touch the yeah. nine owed me, and then wouldn't play the tenth game. I'm like, yeah. play the tenth game. He's just like, I wouldn't have played the fourth. Uh, <laughs> it could beat me a different way, like every single game. Yeah. Right? He's just like, like some games is just like Swamp Ritual, Ritual, Zombie Infestation, Buried Alive. Right? I lost to that. It was like some games are just like. Uh, you know, just ritualed out braids, and I just never had to land. And he attacked me with a two-two until I was dead, right? Like it was a uh, yes, horrible. And then sometimes you just had a chromox. But the replenish deck I want to 
point out, I played it, I think I like, we normally do four routers. So I host tournaments in my home. I'm fortunate enough to have a space where I really enjoy hosting folks. And we generally do four routers. And I think I went two and two with this replenished deck that I had seen online and adapted slightly. And I remember laying out, you're like, oh, that was kind of interesting. And you, we were hanging out after and I laid out the deck, right? So I like laid out the whole deck and you just looked at it and you started like moving cards off of the play mat. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm taking out all the cards that are bad. Because that that was a version that ran like uh, Pandemonium Sapling. Yeah, yeah. And it ran like three of each. So you could replenish and just instant kill. But you were like, I don't, no, you already win. You're like, you don't need, why would you, why would you need those? And you just started like moving cards away. And suddenly the deck went from like what I thought was a really tight 60 to where I was like, I don't know what to cut to like 38 core cards. And yeah. you're like, we can just go four of for all the really good stuff and then like add some more redundancy. And I think that was the beginning of you recognizing that replenish was a very viable strategy. And then I think the list got really tightened, I guess, the day before Lobster Club. I mean, I was just I'm calling to like, like every five, but like the night before. Yeah. I was like calling you like every five minutes and you're just like, and I was just like, oh, here's my list. So you're like, why are you playing Coastal Tag? Right? And I'm like, because it makes mana and you're like, just put in City of Traders. Like, I didn't have City of Traders in my neck. It was, that's actually bad. Yeah, this it, it, it got there before I sleep. Yeah, that lobster. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I think it's, it's, all this it's great. And then, you know, that deck rolls and it's continued to build off that and now it's like an awesome deck now. Well, you also added, uh, like, the Thawing Glaciers tech, which was really impactful. Mana short. Mana short. Um, did you run Counterspell on the board? I did. Yeah, Counterspell. Those cards all got me mad. Oh, and you also took out the defense grids. You were like defense grids. Yeah, yeah, that was. I had to, I had a defense grid strategy, and and just in your mind, you you logiced out that that was incorrect for the deck, without 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 a lot of reps. Like we just didn't have. Well, the reps. thing is, like anybody who defense grid is good against is already going to have all these resistance cards yeah. against cards that can destroy defense grid. So like if your game plan is now defense grid was just when I have a game plan. Yeah. Right. Like you're just playing fair with them. Yeah. It's not a, you're basically going down a card to fan air. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, Mike takes third at LogCon 2022. Um, we kind of experience, um, I mean, with a what? so there's another, so there's a post lobster con meetup. That's actually super important. It's like super important. And this tech came out of this meetup and, he doesn't get the right credit for it. So what ends up happening is I won this meetup uh, that resulted in me writing this article called Slow Playing the Beatdown, right? But I lost to Dave Kaplan playing Flint's deck. And so I was playing Red Deck and I sided in all Lava Darts and Dave Kaplan sided in Tempting. Yeah, and in his anger, he was playing Flint's yeah. deck with uh, the, the Angry Hermit yeah. deck, yeah. So I transposed that onto whatever decks could tap for green, right? And I gave it to Ole... Ole and his group played it for a while. Ole stopped playing it, right? But that's actually where all the tempting words in elves comes from. It comes from Dave Kaplan at Tau House playing tempting worm in angry, yeah. right? And that's and that's what I'm saying about this uh, this place. We're recording at Tau House right now. This is just this is where the magic happens. This is. I will say I it's. I don't like. I was talking to uh, Tom Matelski before LobsterCon, and he was like, "Oh, tell me something about yourself. I don't know you that well." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't think I'm that good at magic." And I think part of that, first off, I I I don't think I'm that good at magic, but I want to clarify that the vast majority of 
paper magic that I play is the meetups that I host. And going 2-2 at one of these meetups feels as good as going 4-0 like anywhere else. I mean, literally, Fran was just like, you know, when we had the Taos meetup last week, you said, this is just the pre-modern world championships. If you look at the lineup. Yeah, there are more. Right? Like, like, you might sit across from someone who's, you know, a back-to-back eternal magic gathering world champion round one, right? Like, and that's... And I did lose to that point. And then you play Michael J. Flores round two. Like, yeah. and then you play, and then you... you Play landing in the O2 bracket. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I just don't know how Oh, I mean, like that night, there was multiple LobsterCon main event top yeah. four players. Yeah, no, it was like, it was the whole thing. It was like, it was our car, you know. Uh, we yeah. drove back, and the car is me, me, Mike, David, and Itai. Or sorry, David wasn't in the car, but he, he was adjacent to the car. He was in the house. And like, you know, but I mean, we're all playing with each other and we're all trying to make each other better. Better, I think uh, what's emerging from all these stories is that I think everyone at this table, and we'll talk about your run out option, right? everyone at this table can sort of pinpoint um, some, they can credit some aspect of their success in competitive pre-modern to something that happened in our testing sessions, working with other people. Like, you know, me personally, I played games with everyone. I, I, I tested the gauntlet with everyone. And every single time I played, you know, I would like learn something, you know, even if it was something minute, um, we're talking, you know, Mike mentioned recently about, uh, portent, uh, you know, portent seven cards, you know, upkeep draw nine cards. Like I learned that playing mono blue dreadnought against David here playing stasis, um, at this very counter that we're the, sitting here. Right the now. night that yeah, you got the, the night. Yeah. The night, the night is exactly the night that I got inspiration for Iron Man versus Hulk. We like, and then we. You know, I played more games like all this stuff. But that, that is now technology in the Dreadnought deck, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So, and I, I thought that Portent was just worse than Sleight of Hand, but I didn't realize that the Portent bug was a feature. Well, right? Like that's, yeah. You know, that was an interesting match because I was also, this is not my tech, but I was playing for the first time Urza's Bobble in, in Stasis, yep. which allows you to, to go do the same, do, do the yeah. same thing. Um, and it was a, that was a really... Like a slog of a match, yeah. We started realizing, we both started realizing independently over the course of the match, like, oh, we can, we effectively have nine cards. Yeah, we, yeah, we were, we learned so, so much for that, and then, um, you know, uh, and then I, I coached Shitai on that and told him that that was the line if he was playing against any control decks. Um, and so, anyways, wait, wait, uh, pause because I actually I'm behind on this. Are Aaron and Fran playing like the super evolved landstill deck today? Um, I don't know what Aaron's playing. So Aaron, um, it at at the Midwest pre modern champs right now. So uh, Fran has decided to sleeve up landstill unless he has a last minute change of party. But including Aaron, like, including like landside. Yeah, he's he smashed together um, tech from Landy Ho, a friend of the podcast, um, Brian Selden, and the the Tom Flores build. He's kind of taken the best out of everything. Um. So he's got Meddling Mage sideboard. He's got one copy of Arcane Lab sideboard. He's got two Dust Bowls in the main. Um, so I mean, is he like maybe the third is kicking around? Yeah, Lance build is two in the main, two in the sideboard Arcane Lab, which is like it's invincible in a lot of the matchups. Um, I mean, you give up whatever the cute stuff that me and Tom. Yeah, Fran has three Dust Bowls main and one side. Um, so he he plays like he's for past land. Yeah, he's. Well, yeah, just ever so slight, but, but anyways, I mean, the, the, the overarching point here is that, you know, all of us are really contributing to each other's success. And I think that any success, uh, individually is a success for the entire squad. Um, you know, which 
which spans like I'm, we're talking about um you know over 20 people in the new york area who are constantly playing we have we host up to 12 here at david's yeah. but well i also want to give a shout out to you to uh some folks who don't live in new york but who are their presence is sometimes felt here uh you know flit Espel. Just, you know, if you're in New York and you're you're playing pre-modern at my house, it might be that Flood Espel's staying there for the week. Yeah. And, and like, you might, we might, you could feasibly face him round one, Mike Flores round two, Roland Chang round three, and Lanny at the 3-0 table round four. So, like, pretty, pretty rare. So, we, we officially adopted Flint, Fran, and Tom, right? It's also, Flint in particular is both a Tau House meetup veteran and just a regular meetup. Yep. How can he not count in the New York community? Yeah, he's and he's in the extended New York community. We're basically colonizing yeah. free modern. Yeah, so that's yeah. so uh, The spikes have colonized, right? Ooh. Wow, I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah, I thought that. Wait, so what? And then I don't know who let Aaron into our Discord, but oh, Aaron's Aaron's a, <laughs> but Aaron's great. I'm totally good with Aaron. Being, no, yeah. no, no, I get it. Fine, I'm what, so actually, I don't know. Tao's actually not in the Discord. Wait, which Discord? The Illuminati Discord. I'm not in the Illuminati. I'm on the text. I'm not on the text. He's another one. He's on the text. Sex. So I didn't know. So we weird crossover. I use the tagline the friendship for telling the kids when I'm going to get a yogurt or go to the movies. Right. And we use the Discord to not match to talk about magic. And then so I let. You're obviously welcome to the Discord. I don't know why. I don't. I would invite David. David has professed to me that he hates Discord. I also hate Discord. You made me use it. Well, yeah, I made you use it because it's it's like. It's like fundamental to me getting anything done. I would much prefer to just use the text thread that David is in. But the text thread sucks because it pings your phone and that's annoying. You could just, I have it silent. I have it silenced as well. But it was really sucked to have it silenced because <laughs> that Etai was like, yo, I'm team drafting 20 minutes for replace. I didn't see that until an hour later to the team draft. Oh, yeah. Like yesterday, like, you know, five minutes before I'm going to do something else, like, oh, let's just meet it, whatever. And you're like, oh, I'm really, it's really easy for me to get to that store. Well, it's, it's also right. easy for me to get to that store. Yeah. Well, that was, we, I saw it like an hour later. But uh, anyways, let's, let's go ahead and move on. We're talking about shared success. So, um, you know, 30 seconds on uh, Lobster Con Day 1. But we, what we really want to hear about, what the viewers, uh, the listeners really want is Lobster Con Day 2, uh, playing one of the coolest decks ever. Do you want so, to run and get your deck so that we can like talk through all you, or you can just... No, 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 we don't. I thought it was bring up a phone. Let's, um, we don't need... I know exactly what was in the deck. Let's, um, let's avoid too much deck tech. I think yeah, um, I like that. Uh, listeners to Pre-Modern Podcasts have... Uh, heard the up and down from Mike Harris and Robin Lund, um, and et cetera on on her at Feb. Um, uh, what? I don't know how it works. Mike, he Mike said the sole person. Uh, Mike is the sole person who doesn't know how it works. And I played against Robin last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I just had to believe him that that's how we'll, on Earth Palancron works. We'll leave, like, we'll leave Mike in the ground. <laughs> Actually, Grey Whale, because I didn't have the optimized list. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Robin did that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, that was me. So basically, uh, Mike, we'll keep Mike in the dark as our Harvard's had function. So you can, have I've all, I beat, I, I beat Robin last year, but he didn't have the hermit half of the half. Yeah. Of them. I mean, the deck got, the, the, the deck got faster. So, uh, yeah. Tell us about what happened day one and then, um, you know, where, where you landed on day two. So day one, um, at Lanny's suggestion, I didn't know what to play. I was a hot mess and hadn't played a lot of magic in the month leading up. Kind of audible to playing Parfait at Lanny's suggestion. Day one, uh, actually copied Mark Eric Voigt's list with a couple changes from the uh, Czech championships. Gives that like nationals. Czech nationals. 
Uh, and I wanted you to play my part. You, you did. And I definitely should have. You felt more comfortable with the blue cards, which happened. I did. I felt more comfortable. I wanted, I felt more comfortable with Gush. Yeah, basically. Gush and Counterspell. And ended up going uh, a gentleman's 5-1-2 uh, with two unintentional draws uh, <laughs> day one. My first two matches. Either one of those. My first two matches were unintentional draws. Uh, oh, no. I actually want to raise something. David corrected a wrong standings in round seven. So in round seven, you were actually in contention, but you went to the organizers and told them that they had credited you with a win when you should have had like a loss or a draw, right? That's correct. They, they, I, I didn't, I first, it took a while because I saw you, I wasn't even looking at standings because I was like, oh, I'm yeah, X, yeah, one and two. And I'm like, oh my God, David's the bot, right? And you, I was looking over your shoulder, you said that and I was like, no, I'm dead. Huh? <laughs> I was like, that can't be right. I don't think. And I did the points math in my head. I was like, this is, I remember asking you, I was like, wait, how much, how many points is a draw? Okay. Uh, I was like, uh, a draw's not two points, right? No. Okay. So I'd like to think that I would have been as honest as you in that situation, but probably I wouldn't. For the benefit of your reputation, let's go ahead and say that you would. Uh, <laughs> I didn't remember you saying, oh, David Tao. I heard like, oh, David Tao's alive. I was so excited. I thought, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. great. Lots of win and ends for the squad going into round eight. Um, but I was not one of them, just to be clear. I was not. A- yeah, so David <laughs> erected yeah. his stupid standing. Um, which which just reinforces. Which is the right thing. One, one, it reinforces David's plot armor. It's important to, it's important to note that to me, David's plot armor through the weekend was just that the nice guys can finish first. And I think Dave is really the nicest guy that uh, to come to come away, uh, which we'll get to. I really appreciate that. that. I think Brian, who won day one, oh, he's like a really nice, nice guy. Yeah. Just to be clarified, I don't know him that well. He's it's nice right. guys all around, um, you know, which is just you know, it's important. I think it's important to point out um, that the like like the the people who are winning pre modern tournaments are also like the people you want to win. The the plot armor thing is real. Like I swear to God. To- more in this format than any other, yeah. I think. I think it's just justice that Flint Salters Yeah, yeah. It's about right. Uh, so that was day one. And day, I actually had a good time. I mean, I here's the thing. I had no reps with that Parfait deck. before. I No, I had two games against Goblin yeah. the night before with, with Pog. With that, And I was like, oh, this Parfait deck. Pog the trainer of champions. The trainer of champions. I was like, okay, this deck's okay. It seems a little slow. I'll have to play fast. Yep. And then start off. 002 and then scratch back to 5 1. I think I finished at like 24 in the rain. I was one spot behind Jeff Ferris. Yeah. I think he finished 22nd or 23rd. Whatever that was, I was one. I, I love Jeff Ferris destroys Misty for New York. They're open. Yeah. He's, uh, uh, you know, he's playing Armageddon against Blue Deck. So let's just hope that he Armageddon's Blue Deck. So I actually just want to pause. We had a Seeger Bifrost meetup last week just to. For no other purpose than to train. That's the person, yeah. Um, and, uh, like, I don't think, I don't remember the last time that somebody came into, like, an event testing session before the event, just, like, had decided he was going to play a particular deck. And I'm like, there are other decks in Mazan playing this. But then we actually just made so many valuable substantive changes to the deck. Yeah. Right? Like, and he just walked away with, like, or now we yeah. have all these, like, matchup advantage things. Yeah, that we did the thing. So I, I hope they, I hope he blows up dreadnoughts. I hope he blows up some lands, blows up land taxes. It's it's weird because like he was saying that elves is like a really tough matchup. But when we played the thousand dollar tournament at Bearded Dragon, 
Jeff was my only loss in the whole day. Yeah. I mean, it's still mad. Like we, we played it that during the, during the testing session and elves, elves is pretty, pretty advantage. Like my actual physical elf stack, right? Yeah. It, yeah. He beat sure. that physical elf yeah. stack in a thousand dollars. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, back to lobster con. So day one, David's like, oh, I'm going to try this like deck. It's pretty difficult to play, but I think, uh, you know, whatever, we'll give it a crack. Day two, having not learned anything at all from his experience at day one, this is like, let's just go ahead and play probably the most difficult deck in the yeah, format, in the form of Herb. We like, tested like six hours with Pog. Well, well okay, let me, the, the point is I had seen, um, I had listened to a podcast and I feel really bad. I'm forgetting which one it is, but it's probably a good thing. So. Probably Mike Harris. So I'm not, it was, it was one with Mike Harris, but he did multiple. Right. Literally like the week before, uh, I was uh, the lobster con. I was like, I don't know what's going on in the format right now. I haven't played much. I'm going to listen to some podcasts while I'm like doing work or like walking or whatever to try and get up on the format. And I listened to one. And I really apologize. I forget which one it was with Mike Harris talking about Hermit Feb, or Feb, but specifically Hermit Feb. And I was like, that seems really cool. And I thought to myself, and in the podcast, Mike, like there's a whole section about like, hey, if you play Hermit Feb, expect to lose until you can win. Like expect to just lose, lose, lose. Um, and don't get frustrated. You have to like power through cause it's a very complex deck. And I was like, you know what? That sounds fun. Maybe that's something I can play in like meetups for like a year and eventually get the hang of and maybe have yeah. fun with. So I ordered some of the cards that I thought I didn't have. And you use promo code Flores because I, I forgot to use promo code Flores. And I was like, cool. Let me just order some of these cards. And I basically ended up ordering the entire deck, like, except for survivals, because I was like, I don't want to dig through and, like, find, like, yeah, more birds of paradise. More birds of paradise. And I just ordered, like, more City of Brad yeah. and more, like, Jim Sunlight. Reflecting pools are in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and I ordered, like, some some extra cards, but I forgot. I ordered Greatwell instead of Palancron. Yeah. Save, save a few bucks. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I was like, throw yeah. a Palancron somewhere. Turns out I don't. But that all came in, a, in like, a one order. That arrived the morning I left for Lobster God. And I was just like, oh, I'll take some extra sleeves and I'll just take this order with me so that like when I inevitably scrub out, like I can just play yeah, something. Yeah, you can goldfish. Yeah. This goldfish so hermit fed and learn it. And so when while the top eight was going on on day one, and we were all like, I couldn't watch any more magic. I was like, I need to either play magic or like not do, or like walk around and do something different. and that's how i contributed to your testing by extending the length of the top eight so you could get exactly yeah. because we were watching we were there for both lanny and itai i was like well i don't i was like oh maybe i'll walk around and like get something to eat i was like no i would actually feel really bad because lanny and itai are in top eight i want to be there to support but like i can't just stand there and watch magic i need i need my Did brain you eventually get food uh, uh yeah either yeah we got food at the like still open at 1 a.m the time. only place in boston still yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, pizza can i ordered like two pounds of chicken uh and then so i walked uh, or so i just like walked around for a bit and then i was like oh you know what? let me just leave up herbage feb and start goldfishing it and then fran uh after i did that was like what are you what are you doing and all of a sudden pog pog actually helped me sleeve it up and I was like, oh, I'm sleeping up Hermit Feb. And they were both like, this deck looks insane. Maybe we can like play some test matches. And I was like, okay, I don't know how it works. And I was like in the process, like on my phone, listening to the podcast with Mike Harris to figure out how the combo yeah. was worked. We sleep. How many different combos? Well, see, yeah, <laughs> there's two combos, but the, the paths to them are like 
there are actually a lot more combos. Like the one I didn't even know of until halfway through the tournament is like just make a really big like there there are more combos than you think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's two there's two um, deterministic combos, and then there's plenty of things that you can do to win game. Can you it's like between make your Vora shapeshifter to a Psychotog and eat your graveyard? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's exactly make it into an Acroma, and it's, yeah, that is something. How that's something you can do. You can also, you know. There are a lot of there are a lot of different there are a lot of different lines. Uh, I mean, when you have survival of the fittest in play, you're just you're just gonna win. So how you get there, you can do it, you know, the simple way. But sometimes, like different, you know, you can have different cards in hand, different cards in your library, stuff that's exiled. How much mana? Is, actually, this is a serious question. How much mana do you need to untap with with survival of the fittest in play to win win instantly? So it's it, it very much depends on a lot of factors. It depends on what's in your hand. Depends on if you're fighting against removal. It, there's a lot it depends on what's already in your graveyard the ordering of what's in your graveyard i think this is not the podcast to go into all the yeah. finer points of like feb mike go listen to mike harris's podcast just like david tao did and then you'll learn everything that you need the the point the deck is complicated you have survival in play well i it, i bought it, the deck but i i check shout out to mike harris and yeah. avin lund and a lot of other folks who have done really really and i i yeah, can't the, the hermit the head ball yeah hermit ball is which i guess i'm now a proud part of yep. is really great the point is we were playing while the top eight is going on and fran has parfait which he did not play in the main event but he's like playing parfait against me and i was like and oh here's the other thing i played hermit feb in round seven i played against her no round eight the last the last round of the lobster gun main event day one i played against hermit feb and i won but i won because i drew like a freaking madman yeah. The dealer had you. The dealer had me. Did there. Game yeah. one, I literally needed, over the course of two turns, exactly three counterspell, three swords to plowshares, and still barely won. And then game two, he he just drew really poorly. I think got mulliganed to like four and got mana screwed. Whatever. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, there's... Oh, and at one point in that match, I had to literally... My only specific out was I had to top deck... Um, shard phoenix off the top which i could then cast off of a mox diamond yeah to clear the board like all this weird i shouldn't have won that round but i did and i was like that i i, I should sleep up and try this deck so anyway play fran the parfait matchup and just like can't lose i don't even know how the deck works and like i'm just happening into wins yeah i was like that's interesting and then i played against um pog uh, a little later that night when we got back to the house and was like, I think he was on like Landstill or something. And I like, we like split some games that I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like the deck is, has some pop to it. Maybe I'll play it for fun. Yeah, this is like not a meme deck. <laughs> this is, this is like a deck that very well couldn't be tier one. Fran said he thought it was the best combo deck. Yeah. I mean, I mean, unless you count 12, 12. I, yeah. I tend to count 12, you know, and then uh, I think that I, 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 I'm, I tend to agree that it's the best combo deck because just because it's so resilient. Um, it's it's shockingly resilient. Yeah. And spoiler alert, I ended up playing an outdated list. There's a lot of new tech that um didn't need it. That didn't you want to draw this Saturday that I just didn't have. Uh I'd never met Mike Harris or Robin Lund in person. Like I played Mike Harris in Yeah, you guys were in the same room. Yeah, I just did drag it. I never yeah. never met him. Um we never really talked to him. Real super nice guy. Um and so I sleep and I'm like, I'm just gonna roll with this gate date, you know, and we're just gonna have fun. And I don't care how I do. I'm going to be with friends. And like the day two event's just going to be for funsies. Did you lose a match? I did not lose a match. Uh, how many games did you lose? I think I lost three games. I think I lost four games. One of them was because I 
fizzled. I've lost at least one game because I just fizzled partway through a combo. You can't fizzle the combo, so you just screw it up. I just fucked it up. Oh, yeah. Okay. More but the, the, <laughs> I mean, but ultimately, yeah, I ended up, which is kind of funny, I ended up going 13-1 and 2 over the cor- course of LobsterCon. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of fun. Or no, put all your 14 ones. Yeah, you put all your luck into day two. Um, but played Mike Floor. Yeah, basically ran really hot with Fed. Not going to pretend luck wasn't involved. Drew really, really, really well. As Mike I mean, would say, the dealer had me. How much? That's that's really matter. So you played against me round one. I was playing Lanny Rock. Uh, Love that matchup. Great matchup for Feb. Absolutely yeah. manhandled me, right? Like, I I felt like I could do nothing, right? Destroy me. And then, so, I went out. We get to the finals. And, like, it's not lucky. You crushed me in the first round. And we got to the finals, and you just crushed me in the finals. And you beat me, like, four different ways in the four games that you won. The thing I love about her, and I've actually never played, I haven't played a single game with Classic Feb. I just want to clarify. Yeah. But even Classic Feb has multiple ways to win. And I really like... Decks. We were talking about that braid zombie infestation yeah. deck earlier. I really love pre. I tend to gravitate toward, toward pre-modern decks that have multiple paths to victory because I really like trying to get an opponent to spend resources, you walking know, off the wrong direction. Yeah, the wrong direction. I think I really enjoy mind games. I really enjoy like light bluffs. Yeah. Um. So pause. Pivotal game three in the finals. I'm casting a cold cabal therapy. There is an unearth. In David's graveyard, and I'm just that I go down earth in response. No, there's an unearth in there's, your graveyard. I was like, there's, like a, yeah. there's like a face up, and then you you you're like, you're like hold, and you're like cycle on earth. So now there's two unearths in David's graveyard, and I'm thinking I don't even know what the four of in this deck are, right? So I think I named Volrath shapeshifter because at least they knew there were multiple in your deck, right? The whole two copies, yeah, yeah. But there's just not multiples of like any of the cards except for survival the fittest and unearths, right? And the ball therapy. Yeah, so I'm not going to name those cards, right? Like, uh, if there was a survival of fittest in your hand, it'd be in play, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, so then I'm like, I named Bora Shapeshifter for Miss, and David has the other unearth, and I'm like, dead. Well, <laughs> he gets it on tap here, he's just going to unearth and kill me, which is what it yeah. Trying to find a photo of that turn, but uh, I can't find it. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a great run. It was super cool to watch you play the deck. Um, I'm like realizing now that you know the story is. We, I mean, we've, we've we went through the story, but um, I guess one of the things that was interesting about it was like this is like the first Magic tournament that you like won. Yeah, I think this is the first Magic tournament I've ever like actual tournament with like yeah. elimination rounds. I think I've ever right. yeah, like it was first winning what S and M. Yeah, but something, that, somebody, that, got that, that, yeah. somebody got your Somebody got your way that I'm night. Like Swiss only. Yeah. I do. But you haven't won a. This is a, your first top cut magic tournament that you've won. Yes. Yeah. In my in in my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you did it uh, defeating childhood hero Michael J. Flores twice. Uh, twice. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, Plotter, right? I just feel like you deserve it. You gave you've given us so much, you in the community so much, and uh, you know, it was almost uh, you know guaranteed that you deserve to get yours back. Um. So, you know, congrats. And, you, you know, you made a lot of friends along the way. You're now a member of the Hermit Feb Cabal. Um, I'm, I assume that we're going to see you playing the deck more in the future. Um, well, thank you for saying all that. I, I love the deck. Uh, I do want to give a special shout out to Mike Harris and Robin Lund, who, like, I met during this. And I was between rounds, like, asking them about the deck and realizing, like, how out of date my list was. And they were super nice about it. Yeah. Mike, Mike Harris's, like, playlist was, like, 
Oh yeah, David's playing um, my deck from the like. I think it's the March or February. Yeah, yeah. Monthly. Mike <laughs> Harris only play one deck. He doesn't ever switch. No, he, he switched. He played he dread. Played, that yeah, so he played Mono Blue Dreadnought at Bearded Dragon um, when we had nine players and he won. You weren't there because you had family. This was the weekend after Thanksgiving. And, and Mike Harris technically top eighted day two with Dreadnought at LobsterCon before he had to run. But he had to he had to go he had to go leave because of family things, so he didn't get to play the top eight. But he technically finished. Oh, so top eight. is that because that's why Fran got his spot? Uh, Fran got his spot from like. Three different things breaking his way, basically. But um, effectively, it was a lot of people that had to leave, didn't want to play the top eight, changed their mind, lost their games. We're being nice guys, you know. Uh, one of the guys was like technically in, but he, he lost his match to somebody who was leaving. So his opponent was going to scoop him in, and he just decided that it wasn't, you know, right for him to lose and in. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, other people were happy to do that. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, David uh, drew in to the top eight um, and the chief stands alone. And uh, David was standing alone on the top of a pile of of uh, opponents. At, at the dead end. elephants, dead beasts. Dead elephants, beasts, elves, um, squirrel. I guess he didn't face Spencer in date. You no, know, we drew. So I actually, yeah. I actually finished. My overall record was, sorry, it was 13-1-3 on the weekend. Because you ID'd, right? Because I ID'd. Yeah. So I actually didn't, yeah. I didn't. I went. I guess I went undefeated day two, but I we did we did draw because we were both the only five O's. I think right. You ID you you ID with Spencer round one of LobsterCon, and then you ID'd round. No, 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 no. Unintentionally, you did unintentionally drew with him round. Yeah, one. ID round one. No, ID unintentional. Not inten ID you intentional. I said you ID. I'm, I keep saying you ID. Oh, I think you're saying you is this is a who's up to situation. <laughs> you're, you're saying, saying yeah, I, I'm the arrogant one. You is why you're like, hey, this is very much a who's up first. Uh, un ID'd day one, uh, ID'd last round of day two, uh, won the tournament. Um, uh, is there, you know, do you, so shout out Mike, uh, Mike Harris, uh, shout out Robin Lund. Any other, any other lingering shout outs from that day or too many to name? Flint, uh, Espel's a great friend and was very supportive. Uh, Day day two, uh, Flint's just always having a great time. Whether he's winning or losing, he's doing a lot more winning than losing in this format. But great time! Shout out to everyone. I mean, Lanny, Mike, Etai, Pog, Fran, Tom Matelski, who wasn't there for day two but was great, was like texting me and messaging me. Um, yeah, number one hype man on yeah. the squad. Shout out to Rich Shea, who was a really good hype man day two. That yep. like while he was playing old school, which was really cool. Um, and I, need, I want to give a special shout out to Robin Lund. Who partway through day two, after we had touched base and he knew I was on Hermit Feb and I was like asking him some questions, there was a particular round, I think it was after round four or five, he comes to me, he's like, Look, man, I've had a lot of Jack and Cokes today. And <laughs> and I'm really glad you're playing Hermit Feb and it seems like it's going well. And I don't think I have anything else to tell. He's like, he's like, You're the guy now. Yeah, you're you're him. He's he's like, he's like, Do you have a question about Hermit Feb? I would trust you more than me at this. Yeah, his yeah. Robin's been very gracious about uh, uh, passing the torch on to uh, you know yourself. It is sacred. It is um, it is a sacred torch when it lands here in New York, where we are the of course the order of the sacred torch. Um, but also uh, McLean Denny is uh, a, a big Hermit player, uh, Hermit Fab player out in California. Uh, who plays it regularly and wins regularly. He's not like very active in the cabal, but uh, he's constantly playing the deck. And 
you know, it's kind of just like the mantle being passed on to uh, the next generation of players um, who are, you know, sort of quietly carrying that, carrying that sacred torch. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Like this is, it's just such a cool like deck that's, that's always flying under the radar, but it's very unclear, you know, if there's, if, if, if it's matchup spread is really even like that bad, like I will s- why would we get it fast? I got, I got. No, you're saying it has a good matchup spread. It's, it's not really that it gets rowdy and threat. It's yeah, it's mainly really about it gets mall red and then sometimes cop. Yeah, I beat, I beat my Karis at the meetup with that. Yes, progress. A few. I mean, it's 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 generally challenging against Sly. The Cabal's done some really good. It's challenged against Sly. The Cabal, the Cabal's done some really good work in trying to short shoring up that matchup. Yeah, I mean the man Hermit Feb especially is bad because the mana base is very painful because you can't run basics. Right, right. So. City, pain lands, these things hurt. Price of progress is always gonna do six. Price of progress is at least gonna do six. Um the deck does like developing its mana, but with a beautiful yeah. mana base, you know, um, Yeah, and you'll get wastelanded. Wait, Law of the Dart's very good against yeah. the deck. Um there are some things that that the Cabal has done, uh like Absolute Law, Chill, these are all things that are that are uh good tech. Um so the yeah. absolute law so I was going to save you from price of progress, but can protect your comp. It protects your yeah. creatures. Yeah. And the other thing I will say is, um, you know, sometimes against burn, like just a quick acroma yeah. is like really, really good. Right. Um, the other challenging matchups, I've dodged Dreadnought the entire day too. Dreadnought in all of its forms is a challenging matchup for, for Feb, for Feb and Hermit Feb. Probably was keeping it down then. Yeah. Probably was keeping it down. The other matchup that's really bad that I actually ended up 2-0-ing because of some luck and I think some bluffs uh, was is Pyrostatic Oath. Pyrostatic Oath is actually <laughs> probably Fed's worst matchup. Fair enough. Because they have literally no one but Flint plays that deck. Right? I played... No, I literally... I own that three of them. Really? Yeah. Everyone plays in Kool-Aid. Bad. I forget his name. I played someone on Herbert Feb. I believe it was round three. Really nice guy. Completely blanking on his name. It could have been Bryn. Um, there were like four Hermit Fed pilots, including Bryn. Um, no, no, Pyrostatic Oath. Sorry. Oh, oh, Pyrostatic Oath. Sorry. And let me just tell you, that deck, like I won, but that might be the only time Feb has ever beaten Pyrostatic Oath. Everything in their deck right. is great against Mono Burn plus Board Wipes plus Clock plus... Plus Mana Base Destruction. Yeah. They have, they have Wasteland. Wasteland is really good against Feb. Because that literally wasteland at the right time can disrupt a combo. Yeah, exactly. It puts uh, the land on top of your And that's the one of the challenging things about Feb is you have this whole other metric you have to keep in tra- track of, which is what's the top card of your library? Not what is the top creature card of your library, which is also relevant for Shallow Grave. What's just the top card? Yeah, it's about the shifter. It's about the top card of your library. Graveyard. Sorry. Graveyard. Sorry. Not the top creature card of your graveyard. Thank you, Lanny. So Pyrostatic Oath, game one, I just want to like point out how ridiculous this is i win game one at one life through i believe through an oath i had to cabal therapy away my own creatures to keep bloodfire colossus off the board and through pyrostatic killer so i went at one life um there was a chance i didn't quite have to do this but i actually for a second thought that i would have to win with the city of brass trigger on the stack classic you know, nice uh did not had one life to had one life to spare, so that was interesting. And then game two, I had a I think it was turn one with an elder spirit guide. Turn one absolute law. 
And he still almost won. He still almost won just to threw stuff at my face. Yeah. So fine. <laughs> he still won at like three life. But like literally had to have like a turn one absolute loss so that my creatures would just always stay on the board. I didn't realize people liked it's a cool deck. I think it's a really cool deck. Yeah, but I thought well, I would. Have, no, like, yeah, I, I mean, thought Flint liked it. It's like not that good, but it's like good. You know, it's fun. It's like really cool. It has some clear weaknesses, yeah. but it's but viable pre-modern deck. I think it's a very viable pre-modern deck. Yeah, it's it's in the mix. Like I don't think you know it's difficult to say just because Parfait is probably like the best Oath deck, and can it beat Hallswell? Uh, I mean, every any green red deck can be twelve twelve with oh wait, my board, yeah. Um, you know, effectively, um, I mean that's kind of one of the cool things. Um, shout out to Artie right now who's playing in the Midwest Champs, who I picked in our last week's podcast. He, I'm bone pivoted. Flint misses Flint. Did you did you pick Flint? Yeah. Oh, okay, I forgot. I had, I have Flint, Aaron. Jim. We'll we'll let you sub Flint for yeah. for one person and yeah. Caleb. So you have. You have I've got Sam and Sam and Will, and then I've got Artie and Fran. Yeah. But you can sub Flint out for It's all right. I don't need it. I have Jeff. Yeah. Jeff's all you need. Um so anyways, Artie's playing and I have AoE Green Red. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Um and it, yeah, yeah, right. You took her from um Artie's playing Fran from me. I've last picked Fran. Sure. Well, and say Jack. Uh, uh, Artie's playing green, red, um, Terra, Terravor land destruction deck. Um, but I've played against his deck with my uh, Parfait deck, and Franz also played his deck against his deck with his Parfait deck, and he just has you know whole breach crumble, like you know just a bunch of bunch of stuff to to throw at artifacts and enchantments. So I think you can do the same thing with Pyrostatic Oath and be pretty good. I guess you're probably not great in matchups where Oath isn't good. Um, and I guess you would hope that Power of Static would be good in that those matchups, uh, which it shouldn't be, because like I think Power of Static Pillar is probably like pretty good against Parfait, um, etc. I don't. Know. We should we should check it out. We should uh, put some. I mean, put some fill in there. I just yeah. I'm, I've been willing to fling a Dreadnought recently. Yeah, he'll try anything. <laughs> exactly. Michael try anything once. Um, I'm. You know, I'm in a renaissance of creativity myself, so it wouldn't be the wouldn't be bad. Death yeah. that David was talking about is actually the deck. I'm... The braids, the yeah, it's the last deck. I, it was actually I wanted to play it as one of my um, PSS decks last year, but Flint convinced me to play his Hermit Fed deck instead. And then obviously that became right. Guys, stayed <laughs> but yeah. So Mike uh, Mike Arnold messaged me. Because you mentioned last week about this Braids deck that yeah. I was doubtful existed, uh, and Mike, I did not. I want to clarify, I did not invent it. I forget who did. It might be Mike Arnold because he he says, uh, "Oh, never mind." Um, yeah, Mike messaged me. He was like, "Flores was talking about my pile of Jun Braids deck that I used to take down a big twelve person event." And I was like, "Was it not a pile of Jun? It was a." Yeah, it's probably it's probably David Tao's deck. Well, shout out to the original uh, designer of um, Blue Black. Braids, whoever oh, that person. Braids, dreadnought, stifle not alive. I think you were calling it a while back. You just called it four combo. Oh, four combos. Yeah, let's count the combos. It has braid, like a quick braids. Let's count that as one combo. Zombie infestation, zombie infestation, squee, squee. Uh, just reanimate a chroma, but it has shallow grave uh, or whatever. Uh, also, you could just re literally reanimate a chroma. 
Then, then there's also Suture and Ghoul. Yep, there's also Suture and Ghoul. Right. Uh, right. Right. So it's a 12 deck. And it's also a Dread. So it's five combos. Five combos. Although two of them are like very suspect because you're just calling Zombie Infestation a combo. With Squeak? Yeah, it's just with Squeak. It's not a form of synergy. It's like a, yeah, that's like a land tax scroll rack as a combo. It's like, well, yeah, but it, you know, doesn't. I don't even remember why Flint thought that this deck wasn't better than his deck. Cause I was just like, I, it's blue. I like it better than being, cause the hermit side of Flint's deck is so vulnerable, right? So I'm like, I feel like zombie infestation is way more robust than hermit. Yeah, but it doesn't end the game. The best play. It feels like it ends the game when you're on. Astral Slide. Yeah. <laughs> we like I think you had like zombie infestation braids in multiple games or you just like make a two to every turn. I'm just destroyed. We did play I do want to say we did play a couple matches with Blue Green Madness versus the the Brains Zombie Infestation deck. And one of the weirdest interactions was I reanimated your wonder so that you could lose they lose flying so that your creature lose flying. And I had a two two that could attack in the air. That's what won the game. I also remember we played exactly one game with Landstill, and I then I had like an whatever an old version of Landstill, and I drew the one disenchant, and you were like all in on Zombie and Face, yeah. and I disenchanted it. And you're like this matchup is not winnable. <laughs> <laughs> I think a matchup probably is actually more winnable, but like that's the thing about the deck you you it's just all dependent on your opening hand. You're like, do I have one combo or do I have two combos that synergize with each other? Yeah. Yeah, I also drew the one disenchant, right? Well, I think there's a little more disenchant effects in Lancel than there used to be. Well, yeah. so Lancel has got like 3x main deck Phyrexian Furnace now, which is probably a problem for a slow graveyard deck, yeah. right? So yeah. this deck is highly contingent on getting small amounts of value every turn from Squee. That's terrible against Phyrexian Furnace. Um, yeah, that's the deck's point of the deck's. Yeah. A heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, let's pull it back out. So what's uh what's next for you, David Tao, in the sphere of magic and pre-modern? Like what are you what are you excited for for the future? What are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to playing a lot more paper, especially paper pre-modern this year. Um I kind of getting my gauntlet of decks leaped up to where I can just always kind of have them. And it's nice. It it, it it's it's nice to just have that. I like having a gauntlet is nice. Yeah. And I LobsterCon really re-energized me. I uh the best week. It was so much fun. I, I've had some very good I don't it's right up there with Eternal Weekend. I have a great time at Eternal Weekend, right? I always you're saying it's a very good weekend. For Mike, it's the best weekend. It's a very good weekend. Yeah, it's very good. It's my very good weekend. It's not like uh LobsterCon, it really re-energized me. It showed me that the pre lottery community is up there with the best communities in magic, perhaps the best community in magic. Yeah. Um, and it, it got me so excited about the pre about pre modern in New York. I think New York is becoming the hub for pre modern. Not only do we have, um, kind of our normal monthly meetups, there are multiple game stores in the city that are hosting or interested in hosting pre modern. One of which is us three minute walk from my apartment. So explain this to me. Right, me and Lanny were playing pre-modern there for months, and now they did- we did it two times. We did it two times and outside the ball, and then we had to go to another shop. So yeah. yeah, so now they're deciding they want to be the new Bifrost. No, I mean, well, first of all, Bifrost is the new Bifrost because it was well, Bifrost was just chess. We have yeah, we have no <laughs> we have no shortage of um of hosts, but you know, uh, listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you somehow don't know us personally. Don't be afraid to reach out. We are 
very, very hyped to be expanding the reach of the pre-modern community in New York um, to every borough. Um, and this is a great time uh, to announce that uh, we are going to have the Sacred Torch showdown, the Order of the Sacred Torch being our squad name. We're going to have a a 1.1K, 1, 1 to 1.5K, 44-player cap uh, tournament at Bifrost in Manhattan. Which Bifrost certainly sell out. We're hoping that it caps. Um, we already got, uh, you know, last year when we hosted at GameStoria, the New York Slide of Mind tournament, we already had over 30 for that, I think. So then here it's not for yeah. $2,000. Uh, yeah, one, yeah, 1.5K. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be fun as we interesting. It's going to be competitive. We we thought hard, and I guess we're kind of sharks out here, and we want to play for stakes. Um, so, um, we're you know. getting stakes? We also will get you stakes. Got, you got to be careful, because I'll date us since there's always two meetings for Luna Flores. Um, so, uh, you know, say, there will be an audible. Yeah. I've been thinking about this. I'm hungry. I've been thinking about this for the last hour. Audible to cats? Audible to Chicago beef? Robbie, Bobby. No, I'm not audibling to Chicago beef across the street. I was going to say, what if we audible to Brazilian Steakhouse? I would, I would run that audible. Where, where? We have to go. We have to go to the city. Oh, that sounds horrible. But anyways, this is going to be a great event. It's going to be a blast. No, actually, I'm having a lot of other stuff I have to do today. There's going to be, uh, there's going to, well, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because like, pre I really, uh, what, what do you guys think? So we're, we're discussing about running this tournament. We're like, okay, it's a 1.5K. So we're going to get a judge for sure. Right. So we're going to have judging. Like, Weird. We're going to have a real judge. Um, once once you have a pre-modern 1.5K, I think no more take backs. What do you guys think? We, I mean, at yeah. A-Shot's story played for a thousand. Where we, we gave tape. I I was giving, I mean, I was like playing part bay. I, was, I mean, I you could have take backs. <laughs> to win. My top, I topped four with L, so I assume that I must have gotten a take back a turn. I was gonna give, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna give tape backs. Well, I played that little last one K with Groatog. I played against two survival madness opponents uh, in a row, and I will say that I was not going to remind them about their squeed. Oh. Like if they, if they, I don't remind people about this squeed. <laughs> if they take. If they were like, oh, I forgot my squee, I would have been just like, cool. Mine three. Yeah. And after that, I can have it. I was like, you can have it. Like, I don't care. But I wasn't going to like, I wasn't going to give them. Anyway, you guys are way too nice. No, I mean, that's how we, that's how we roll. I think, uh, I mean, it's a, here, here it goes. It depends. Yeah. If it's Etai, I want to take him. He's better than me. I need every education. That's the opposite chance I give it to Etai. If it's a different little kid. I wanted to grow yeah, yeah, fair enough. I did, yeah. You gave you gave me a take back in the finals. Yeah, finals. it's true. It is technically true that Michael J gave David Tao a take back. David Tao almost psychotog uh, the coffin purge that he needed to to win the game, uh, and he graciously gave it to David. He might not have given it to given it to any opponent because uh, Mike, like if it was E time, it's like no wait. Yeah, My, Michael. So, like, sorry you punted game one. Like, <laughs> I do want to give like in game two, you're on the play. I do want to give Michael J. Flores a special shout out because Mike knows me really well, and he was like, he gave me the take back, and then he immediately said, "Don't feel guilty about it. I know you feel guilty about it." Yeah, uh, it's a, it's you're probably still awake in bed thinking about. I do that, that man. The, the structures of shame that hold up my life. Yeah. <laughs> that my psyche's like, built no, this on a is not a big deal. <laughs> my my psyche <laughs> is built on a lattice where you're seeing. Oh, yeah. Anyways, my plan is um, we'll have we'll have the 1.5 table. We'll have a judge, and I think when you sit down across your opponent, you should just like openly communicate. It's just like, hey, like 
we're playing tight. We're playing, yeah, we're playing for money here. It's like uh, I'm going to ask that you play tight. Uh, I hope that you hold me to the same standard, and we all play tight so, because you know, hopefully, nobody like I now personally, people are tournament players. They're yeah. going to play professionally for the next hour. Yeah, I mean, I, that's so, I hope it, it will be a different vibe. You know, our meetups, we're drinking, we're laughing, we're giving each other take backs. Mike is taking the King of the Hill standings very seriously, but the rest of us aren't. Uh, but this one will be this one yeah, will be to the market for the people who don't win more than half the lead ups. <laughs> to, oh, we don't take the standings seriously. Look, I agree. You, you must not take us very seriously. <laughs> Each eye the current King of the Hill. Um, it's it is unclear if we how house meetups qualify for King of the Hill. Uh, Crown wears so Phil thinks that the standing king of the hill is actually a is a yeah. mm, Okay, that's fair. So, um, the I had two important things to talk about around the order of the sacred torch. One, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put showdown. I'm gonna put David on the spot. I think there should be a secret house made up that week so that we can indoctrinate Aaron into. I'm totally good with it. Aaron won't be present because he's coming to the he's coming to the secret torch. No, he's going to Euros. Oh, he's going to Euros instead because that's, that's also a- in September. So September six September is even packed month, but September sixteenth is sacred torch. And then Aaron was like, I can't quite. He was going to come. He was down. I mean, part of our thought with making it a one point five k with prizing is hopefully to give a little bit more incentive to out of towners. Yeah. They'll hopefully get get a little their plane ticket back. You know, if they win. So that actually that's actually relevant to know. I just Sam Black. I assumed Aaron Dix was going to crash at my place, which means that someone else from out of town can Aaron my place. I'm sure, I'm sure Aaron's going to listen to this podcast. So I didn't even talk with Aaron about this, but I assume if like someone from the free modern community is coming to New York and I know them, that they're just going to stay to her. Yeah. Just saying, right? Like we need to, we need to just get all of them so that our, our, our quote unquote geographical air. Yeah. <laughs> continues its ring. Well, Aaron's in the free, free modern Illuminati. Yeah, I know, but Flint, Flint, that's like that's like a friends and family. Like I need to invite Flint as well, but uh, you know this. Uh, yeah, but let's we'll see who crashes. Flint like, is a is both a Tau House and a yeah regular. He's done it all. The Discord are like the only thing that he's not. But um, yeah, so really looking forward to that. I think it'll be uh, you know interesting and fun. Uh, I know that it's not everybody's uh, style to play pay them pay a bunch of money and play for money, but you know we're. We're pretty used to that here in New York, and uh, a little bit of pressure creates diamonds. So that's uh, what we're hoping for. And if that turnout is good, uh, we, you know, we want to run something like this every quarter. So um, if you can't make it on September 16th, which I hope you should, uh, just so that we can blow it out, uh, you know, we're we're gonna aim to make it a seasonal thing, and uh, you know, keep things going. A lot of stores like wanna. Is it like better for you if the hub were Bifrost or if the hub were Stratus? Yeah. Well personally it's better for me if it was uh bifrost actually because i can go there straight from work but what's more important to me is being able to jam on fridays and saturdays and fridays are super busy at brooklyn strategy it's already you can always jam here though well we yeah we can uh you know with if uh if if you know for for again we'll keep up with the super secret meetups but um the super public meetups Bifrost and Strategist look look to be hosting us on a semi regular basis for for uh, undisputed. They live so yeah yeah. I mean you'll walk to Strategist, yeah. but I'm happy to go to Bifrost too. You know, yeah. but like, yeah. but I'm just saying I literally live right. I mean, it, you know, Game Storia should get back in the mix. Like, I think I think the goal here is that we play pre modern everywhere across the city. People walk by the table. Yeah, they say is Brooklyn. Yeah, every 
the triborough area, the, uh, the part of Manhattan. Manhattan. And then and then we got, you know, we'll have guys walking by looking at trade wind riders on the table just being like, what's going on? Jack Barris, who is like co-godfather, actually doesn't even live in New York. Yeah, he comes in New Jersey. Yeah, he comes in from New Jersey to play all this. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's just my hope. Uh, you know, we, we just get a bigger footprint across stores, um, get more people interested. I mean, we talk like we were so hyped that Abe Corrigan was just like, let me play Redex. And we we're like, yeah, totally have fun. So, you know, maybe we'll. I'm sure we'll get some more heat. If that were happening, Abe, I mean, that's Abe's. Yeah, we'll hook. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll hook Abe on a uh, local media. Maybe we can hook Abe for the one. I was saying, all, all of the Zoomer grinders, I'm like, hey, you should play Primar. They're like, can I make any money playing it? I'm like, no. But if we just they really make money, you, you could make the opposite of money. You could yeah. give money to charity with free modern. It's yeah. great. Which is, yeah, which is even better. Um, and I was just like, dude, you don't play for prestige. Like, you don't, like, you know, obviously, I, like, I, maybe I'll just point to E-Time. Just like, look, look at your fellow Zoomer. He got second place. Like, don't you want to, like, stop on some boomers? Like, start some, you know, so, like, it's about the story. It's about don't, don't you want to, like, beat Hall of Famers? Yeah, don't you want to beat Mike Flores in the finals of a of a side event it's just like what that's worth more than money can buy but anyways we'll have money i mean like uh i really want to uh i mean i don't know if a 500 ish dollar top prize is enough to get sam black out here but he doesn't travel for pre-modern he, he didn't travel for lobster con because there were no way for him to make back the expenses so hoping hoping that we can attract some of the you know some of the sharky people like you know who just need a little bit of an incentive to uh you know to, to at least uh, zero out their balance sheet if they make a big trip to New York. We're happy to host. No guarantees, but a few years ago when Vintage was more active in the city, to encourage that, I would just randomly spike prize pools. Yeah, just just throw some, tip the skin. I was thinking that too. I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, I've got, like, I don't really love my one Italian signed Mox Diamond. It doesn't really match. So if that randomly shows up in prize pool, yeah, it would happen. Yeah, I gave away like a volcanic island just to, it was just you guys are crazy. Yeah, yeah. But but like here's the thing. I'm lying, by the way. I'm not getting rid of that. But oh, I actually did that. But <laughs> I actually did that. I, I have a white bordered land tax, and like we have the foil wear bear going around that I like have no use for. So anyways, <laughs> I got I got some. I mean, these are kind quality prizes, man. Well, I'm so one of the jokes is that oh, got, white border. I have four. I have four red and six and four ragavan, and I kind of like don't need them anymore. So I. I think thinking as a joke, prizing them out for pre-modern. We had to say like big, big, big joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I this is like you're carrying the we should we should get four our, we should get four one ring and put it into the prize pool. <laughs> yeah, but the one ring's gonna be worth five dollars by the time uh, by the time it's been yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Do you know anything about one Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do keep up generally with yeah, but like it's I don't know talking about this with other people and it, and there's like I kinda wanna play in events. I'm just like but everybody's calculus right now is: Do I spend like three, four hundred dollars on one rings that are going to be worth five dollars? Like, we all know they're going to be worth five dollars in two months. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I think so too. I mean, that you can get them in the bundles for free, and there's like a, the, all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an early candidate for bands. I mean, as we know, modern just blows even with or without the one. But it's it's pretty. It's so ridiculous. Like, there's yeah. one drop prowess decks that. We're wondering. Well, the, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's showing up in vintage too, but yeah, it's a it's a dumb no, card. Yeah, you, can you just, I, David, clarify it for me? This does the card, uh, Mishra's workshop cast the one? Yeah, yes, it does. 
Okay, I can I can see why. Why would that be controversial? I can I can see I can see the I can see why it might be good invented. It, it sure it, it's you know, it sure does. You could you could do a there's a there's a pretty good play that's been happening in vintage at the play Misha's workshop. Play a mock a mock cast a turn one one rudering. You have pro whatever, so your opponent can't just like kill you. Yeah. Because they change tendrils until, until your next turn, right? Yeah, yeah. So tendrils is even that blade. Uh, the more common combo is for them to vault key, time vault. Oh, uh, okay. Like multi key or manifold key. Oh, but you. But they can't. They, they literally yeah. can't do anything but to you. They can just take every turn. They can just take every turn, but they still can't kill you. Yeah. So, like the a big problem with workshop decks is sometimes that if you don't have a lock piece turn one, yeah. Like you throw out a value piece turn one, you get, you just and you just kill out there, right? Like you saw so your Mystic Forge, but if you can't find like a, a sphere effect or something, you could just yeah. die. Uh, not that vintage is actually that much of a turn one format, but we're you know you you it you, happens enough that it happens. It's worth talking. It's a concern. Yeah, I mean they'll just yeah, yeah. Tinker Citadel turn one. Yeah. It, 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 the concern is that like they'll be able to just set up. Yeah, Tinker Citadel. Yeah, they'll be able to just kill you turn one sometimes. <laughs> Um, but the one ring does get around that. And then you just have, you fill your hand and turn two, like you're definitely going to find, you're almost definitely going to find a lock piece with all that mana and draw all those extra cards. What do you draw? Like three extra cards then? Yeah. You draw, you draw one in your, your, the turn you cast, say you turn, draw two the next turn. Yeah. Turn you draw three. Yeah. So yeah. And you got up, you you have three extra cards, a ton of mana and you survive and you you didn't guess what you can do. You can probably cast another one ring because they're yep. running four. Or as Pog said, uh, I'm glad I got those shield rids. Now I'm going to need four. Yeah, Raven's Lord. That's it. It's kind of a combo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> those two forecasting cost cards, they're like peanut butter and chocolate. Uh, so I think that, uh, I guess your opponent could still Doomsday and win with Thoth's Oracle. That happened. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not, you have protection, but they just win the game. So, but but still, like that, yeah, that that that, that, that card is having yeah. an interesting impact in vintage. And actually, I think shops decks needed a little boost in vintage, so right. actually maybe a good thing. But some other non shops decks are also playing it here. Okay. Um, well, uh, the one ring blows. Play pre modern instead. Um, hopefully, one ring legal in pre modern. Uh, it sounds it's years old. It is. It is thousands of years. The IP actually existed before the nineties. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's. It's it's pre fourth edition. It's pre oh, it kind of yeah. make that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, um, you can play it in old school, but no. <laughs> no. Um, uh, this this was the spike calling. Pop. Mike, do you have any shout outs? Anything happen? Like shout out, obviously, to everyone battling the Midwest. Uh, two days from now, I'm going to run a race. I'm going to kill it. Um, and then we're going to have a barbecue, and then we're going to have a barbecue. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's only in. What time is the barbecue at your... I don't know why this needs to be on the pod. It's fine, 2 p.m. Uh, till all day, so you can drop in when it's convenient for you. I'll, I'll have the grill going all day. Um, I just had the idea that instead of steaks, I can do steak sandwiches. What do you guys think about that? Whatever you want. Yeah. I'll cheat that day. I'm going to eat bagels at the race anyway. Oh, okay, great. Um, you know, thanks uh, Thanks again. I guess rate us five stars. I don't really care about that, but if you do... It, David says it's important. It's probably, I mean, it's important. It's important, but you know, we're, we're not, we're not here for a world takeover. We're, we're here to, to act as my call. We were here. Well, you're not supposed to tell us. Oh, oh I mean, yeah, I agree. <laughs> we're here to build community. Love Mike. What a, what a, what a, all right. Love Spike Quality. Thanks for listening. Game over.